can we get into his word? Mm. Then let me share with you a narrative of scripture that I believe will demonstrate for us the true qualities, character of the gift of Jesus, the true gift of Christmas. Amen. Somebody look at your neighbor and announce to them the series title, Season of Grace. Look at another neighbor and say, Season of Grace. Now, I think this narrative will enlighten your hearts and your minds to what God has for you today. But I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2 and following. All five of you are excited about God's word. <laughs> because you aggravate me, I'm going to let y'all sit down. You may be seated. Here's what the Bible says. Before we get into this, let me hang with me upstairs because we're going to just go where God takes us this morning. Before I actually read the narrative of Isaiah chapter Nine. I want to take you to another narrative that I think will redirect us and ultimately lead us back to Isaiah chapter 9. Because Isaiah chapter 9 will begin to enlighten our hearts to why we celebrate, why we have lights and gifts, and why we have this season of, of grace. But John chapter 1, can I begin in John chapter 1? Is that okay? John chapter 1 is an intriguing passage of Scripture. John chapter 1 tells us who Jesus is and what he's done for us, the complexities of who he is and what he's done for us. And it's something that's hard for us to wrap our brains around while at the same time it's imperative that we understand what John is telling us, especially during this season as we celebrate the goodness of who Jesus is. In fact, John's gospel opens up a little differently than the other gospels open because most of the gospels start out with the birth of our Savior, but yet Jesus or John starts out with the story of Jesus at the creation process when he says, in the beginning was the Word, which is a name for Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything that was made was made by him, and nothing that has been made was made without him. The Word. Somebody say the Word. So John tells us who Jesus is and what his mission is. Then he says something intriguing that draws some very vivid imagery for us, beginning in verse 4. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Somebody say, the light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe he himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light, somebody say light, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Hmm. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but he, his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did 
receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, the children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word, again, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You ought to circle that, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one that I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. It's verse 16, though, that's intriguing. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Hold on a second. Let me pause here. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. It's a complex verse. However, it gives to us the very title, Season of Grace. But more than that, John is describing for us the mission of Christ, who Christ was. He was the light of the world. Therefore, we have lights on Christmas trees. He was the light of the world, but he was also grace, grace in place of grace. It's a strange terminology. I began to do some research on verse 16 when it says grace in place of grace. And what I discovered was one theologian who said that what, what, what Jesus was doing was coming to introduce to mankind the new order of things. And the new order of things was grace. A grace that was inexhaustible. A grace that was unending. A grace that was, that was so incredible that you could not overcome. It could, nothing could overcome you because of the grace that God was pouring out. In fact, the particular terminology that's used in the Greek describes a grace that is poured on you and just as that is beginning to receive grace is poured on you again it is inexhaustible it has no limit it cannot run out it will never run dry it's like the old preacher says it's more than we'll ever need it will never have a limit placed upon it it cannot be extinguished it is more than enough then that terminology also paints this picture of a wave crashing on the shore and just as the wave begins to recede another wave crashes on top of it and the more that I thought about the imagery that John is painting for us I had this thought if if God's desire if what John is telling us is the truth and God's desire is to saturate us with his grace then what is it that keeps us from being saturated it can only be one thing and that is our unwillingness to jump in Somebody look at your neighbor and announce the title. Jump in. Look at your other neighbor who's developing an insecurity issue and and, and say, jump in. Jump in. I'm jumping into that kind of grace. A grace that is unending. A grace that knows no supply. A grace that is more than enough. A grace that was present in the creation story when it said, let there be. It's that kind of grace. It's a grace that was present when the people of Israel walked out of Egypt and walked through the Red Sea on dry ground and walked into victory. It's that kind of grace. So I feel like preaching. It's the grace that gave David the courage to face his giant. It's the grace that looked at a virgin and said, you'll give birth to a son and he shall 
shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. It's a grace that looked at Peter even though he'd made a mess of things and said, I will restore you. It's that kind of grace. It's a grace that looked at a man named Saul who had persecuted Christians, changed his life, changed his name to Paul. Paul would write two-thirds of the New Testament and Paul would later write, in my moment of weakness, his grace is more than enough. Who's going to jump into that kind of grace? If you've ever been touched by that kind of grace, then somebody give him praise. Where was I at? Verse 17. Verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Hang on a second. Here's John doing something a little different with the opening of his gospel. Rather than starting with the birth of Jesus, he starts with the mission of Jesus. He starts with who Jesus is while at the same time talking about his mission for humanity. But here's something that is odd. This was not the first time the mission of Christ was talked about. In fact, 750 years before, in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah the great prophet outlined the mission of Jesus. He told us who Jesus would be. He told us the qualities of Jesus, the characteristics of his mission, the characteristics of his heart. In fact, here's where it's at. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. If you're there, say, I'm there. Thank you, Carmen. Verse 2 says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Somebody say light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Here we have this connection between John's phraseology and now here's Isaiah 700 plus years before, seven centuries before, who, who makes reference to Jesus being the light. Then he goes a little further. Skip down to verse 6. Verse 6, Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Lord have mercy. Can I pause right here and teach for a minute? For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. This is 750 years before the Savior would be born. And the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now what you need to understand about this is that Isaiah is in no way, shape, fashion, or form saying these are the literal names of Jesus but rather what he's telling us is that these are character traits of his heart. These are character traits of who he is. And once we understand the aspects of who Jesus is, we'll more understand his grace. So you can really read this passage of Scripture in a different way. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and the Messiah will be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Wave upon wave upon wave of his grace is poured out because he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Now, I want to talk to you about the prince of peace. But for you to understand how grace is poured out through peace, 
I think you need to understand the historical context behind this prophecy. Why is it that Isaiah would even give this prophecy? What is it that God wanted the world to know about Jesus? Why did he do this? Well, you need to understand what happened during that day and age. There was a king by the name of Ahaz who represented Israel. There was this Assyrian army who had gathered all of the support from allied nations that was coming against King Ahaz, and they were about to come against Jerusalem. A tumultuous time, a time of fear, where Ahaz didn't know what to do. He didn't know why he was in this situation. He didn't know how to get out of this situation. He didn't know how he was going to get past this army. He, he went to the great prophet Isaiah, and he said, I need you to help me. I need to know that everything's going to be okay. Who do I need to build an ally? Who, who, needs, who do I need to align myself with in order to overcome these enemies that are coming against me? Who should I build this alliance with? Am I going to be okay? Is the kingdom going to be all right is everything going to be fine Isaiah I need to know and Isaiah looked at him and he said everything will be fine God will deliver you he will protect you and you don't need to worry about an alliance this is Isaiah talking to Ahaz but Ahaz is over here going that's great that's awesome that's a wonderful word. I'm, thank you for that word. But, but, but you don't understand. The Assyrians are nasty. They're coming against us. They're going to annihilate us. They're outside of Jerusalem, and they're coming against us. I need something more than a word. How many of you know sometimes you need something more than a word? It's like you lose your job, and you go up to your best friend, and your best friend says, hey, everything's going to be all right. And you're like, well, that's easy for you to say, but all right won't pay my bills. So here, King Ahaz had no peace, had fear that was overwhelming him and was beginning to overwhelm the kingdom. And he's like, I need more than that. I need a sign. I need a sign. I need a sign that everything's going to be okay. But, but, but Isaiah, I don't need a sign that, that's going to cause me to have to be obedient. I need a sign that proves that God's going to take care of all of it. How many of you know sometimes that's the way we are? I need a sign that it's just going to be okay, not a sign that I've got to start jumping through all of these hoops. I want a sign that everything's going to be okay. After all, I want restoration, but I don't know that I want to do that forgiveness thing. I want breakthrough in my life, but I don't want to be broken in order to get through. I mean, I, I want wave after wave after wave of God's grace to be poured out upon me. But to be perfectly honest with you, I don't want to get my feet wet or muddy in order to get there. So the great prophet Isaiah basically said to Ahaz, then what you're really asking for is not peace. What you're really asking for is the absence of conflict. And there's a difference. You're asking for the absence of conflict rather than peace. And so I'm going to give you a sign. In the midst of your darkness, in the fear that you have that's enveloped you, I'm going to give you a sign. And that sign is, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government doesn't rest upon your shoulders, Ahaz, it rests upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Ahaz is over here going, whoo, man, that's some good, that's good preaching. That's good stuff. And grab baby Jesus is coming. All oh, that's good. But that's 700 plus years from now. What am I going to do right now? 
What am I going to do right now? Because I need something right now. What am I going to do? I, I, need, I need more than that. How many of you know that we don't like to be in the middle? You know, there's the word and then there's the fulfillment of the word, but we don't like to hang out in the middle. The middle's uncomfortable. It's like going to work on Monday. You don't like it. Getting off on Friday, you love it. But on Wednesday, a lot of times you skip work because you don't like hump day. Don't like the middle. I don't want to be in the middle. I, I need something greater. Listen, listen, Isaiah. I need something greater than a Hallmark Christmas movie. I need something more than a cup of hot chocolate and a beautiful Christmas tree. It ain't going to fix this. I need something more than that. So Isaiah went deeper. He said, you know, I got to go deeper than your enemy. I've got to go deeper than your problem. I got to go deeper than your issue. I got to go deeper than your conflict. And so God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus to deal with the root of our problems. And the root of our problem, he was telling Ahaz, the root of our problem is, is not it's, it's not your issue. It's not your conflict. It, it's, it's not the enemy. It, it's not your alliance. It's not your relational issue. It's, it's not your occupational issue. The root of humanity's conflict was one thing, and that is separation from God. And that's why God sent Jesus, because it, it's, it's the separation of humanity from God that he had to send Jesus. Listen, this was not a punishment thing. He was not saying you're being punished. What he was saying is the only way to overcome the world's problems is through the heart of Jesus. And that's why he is the wonderful counselor, the, the mighty God, the, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. But Ahaz was like, listen, I, I, all that's good, but, but I, I, need, I need him to carry me over all of this stuff. I just need him to go ahead and take care of all of this stuff. I want to get to the other side of this. And so many times that's us. And Isaiah was saying to him, listen, it's more than the enemy. It's, it's, it's more than the absence of conflict. It, it's, more than that. it's more than God just wanting to fix something for you. It's more about God empowering you with wave after wave after wave of grace in order for you to get through what it is that you're going through. I wrote this down. I, I, I want you to write this down. I don't think it's in your notes, but, but here it is. The wave of God's grace doesn't, just come to fix the problem, the wave of God's grace empowers you to go through the problem. Somebody say, I'm jumping in. You see, we're always waiting on God to, to carry us over when God is, is more concerned with empowering us with wave after wave after wave. And when that wave recedes, another wave of grace will bring you through even further and further. And pretty soon that wave of grace is directing your steps, even though you don't realize it. But you don't understand, Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm looking for peace. No, maybe you're praying for the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is knowing that God is with you in the conflict. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Listen, some of you are praying for the absence of conflict, but can I tell you something? God is not as concerned with removing the conflict. God is more concerned with empowering you to be a peacemaker in the conflict. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Y'all don't want to hear this. L let me say this. Sometimes 
our hope is misplaced. We place our hope in something, and when that something disappoints us because it doesn't work out, the result doesn't work out the way we thought that that something would, then we're disappointed. We place our hope in relationships, and there's a relational conflict. We place our hope in finances, and yet we seem to not have enough. We place our hope in our career, and yet it doesn't go the way we wanted to. And, and so we're disappointed because our hope was in a certain result, and the result didn't work out the way we thought that it should or would work out, and now we're disappointed. And because we're disappointed, then what ends up happening is you become this person who's like, I'm never going to set the bar up that high again. I'm going to set the bar very low because I don't want to be disappointed. If I don't expect much, I won't be disappointed. If I don't hope for much, then I can't be disappointed. And when it doesn't work out the way that I thought, maybe I won't be disappointed. And so you become cynical. Cynicism sets into place. How many of you know cynicism is all around us at Christmas time? Can I get a hello? I ain't going to that girl's ugly sweater party. Ugly Christmas sweater party. I ain't going. Everybody knows every sweater she ever wears is ugly anyway. I ain't going. I don't want to go over there. Everybody knows that the reason why she's even having that party in the first place, not because she wants everybody to come in an ugly Christmas sweater, but she wants everybody to see her house. And I don't want to go over there and see her house all pretty and all that. My house hadn't even got set up yet, and I'm going to go over there and look at her house. No, I don't want to. Or maybe it's like you're working so hard and everything that you're doing to work to have this financial freedom. The freedom doesn't happen the way that you thought the financial freedom should happen. And, 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 and now you're like, I'm tired of hearing what everybody's giving and getting for Christmas because I can't seem to get or give anything. I'm tired of talking about baby Jesus. Because it only reminds me of the baby that I can't have. So cynicism sets in. And that's kind of where Ahaz was at. Ahaz was like, I just need a sign that everything's going to be all right. I, what alliance do I have and, and, and should I make? And, and Isaiah was saying, you don't need an alliance. Your hope should not be in an alliance. Your hope shouldn't even be if the enemy leaves or if he comes. Your hope should be in the prince of, of peace. And I, I know, Ahaz, you're in the middle of something. And in the middle of something, it's not comfortable. I know that. I know that you're holding out and you're waiting on God. And it seems like you've been doing everything that you can to, to make ends meet. But yet everything that you do doesn't seem to work and you're holding out you're right in the middle and you're believing that God is good and you're believing that God is gracious and you're believing that God is faithful but yet the truth be known you don't feel his goodness you don't feel his faithfulness it's at that moment that you got to dig a little bit deeper and you've got to offer up a sacrifice of praise because a sacrifice of praise will take you deeper than your conflict will take you deeper than your problem will take you deeper than your situation will take you deeper than your knowledge a sacrifice of praise is more than just a shout on Sunday morning it's a miracle on Monday Monday morning. Good Lord, have mercy. Mm. Can, can, I, can I take some extra time and talk about something? Can I do that? Let me talk about the theological significance of, of, of the Prince of Peace. Because a land, a people, cannot be more peaceful than its ruler. Keep in mind, Ahaz is the king, and he has no peace. 
And now, Isaiah is saying, you got to trust in the prince of peace. A land or a people cannot be more peaceful than its leader. The, the disposition of, of the leader of the lands establishes the countenance of the nation. Are you with me? The disposition of the leader, let me say it this way, the disposition of the leader trumps everything. Some of y'all got that. Y'all just asked the person you rode with home, what would he mean by that? You'll get it then. (laughs) The disposition of the leader, and maybe that's why when Jesus at the crucifixion, he was being falsely accused and the Bible said he did not say anything. Why? Because he knew he was the prince of peace. He's the prince of shalom. In the Hebrew, that particular verse, the prince of peace, actually is the prince of shalom. Shalom, let me tell you what it means. Shalom means wholeness. It means completeness. It means restoration. It's more than just taking up a yoga pose beside of a quiet stream. Are you with me? True peace is not just the absence of conflict, but it's the presence, if you will, of something greater in its place. Grab that. True peace is not the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of something greater in its place. Let me, let me illustrate this. So you might be arguing with your husband. You might be just in an all-out brawl, and you've been in an all-out brawl with your husband. You've been shouting back and forth, and you're just sick of shouting back and forth. And so finally you look at your husband and you say, shut up! Or, shut up! And he shuts up because he's wise. But then there's this awkward silence, and, and, and there's no peace. And the reason why there's no peace is because all, all there is is silence. There was not, there's, the conflict is still there. The conflict was not replaced by restoration. Are, are, are you with me? You see, let me go one step further. Shalom means completeness, wholeness, restoration. But it's also painting this image. Shalom paint, paints an image of a stone that has no cracks. It paints an image of a wall that has no gaps. Are you grabbing this? Here is Isaiah the prophet talking to Ahaz the king, and he's taking him to a stone, shalom, a stone that has no no cracks, a a wall that has no gaps. He's hoping uh, that this wall will be enough to keep the enemy out. And what Isaiah is saying to him is that he is shalom. He's the one that takes the cracks out of your stone, so to speak. Hold on a second, but isn't Jesus the stone? Oh, Hold on, there's some symbolism here. Jesus is that stone. He is that cornerstone. Are, are, are you with me? Oh my gosh, he is that cornerstone. He is that one. He is that hope. He is that peace. And so what he's saying is you can't count on anything else. You can't count on this. You can't count on that. You can't count on, on, on the enemy leaving. None of those things. But you can count on God. You see, God is not there just to give you a new situation. God is there to give you a new life. And that's what Jesus did when he climbed on the cross. He 
poured out grace after grace after grace. So what you need to understand, Ahaz, is that the sign is, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so I'm jumping in. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, jumping in. Grab this. Can I take a, an extra minute? I know I'm conscious of your time. Can I take an extra couple of minutes? Because not only do some of us have a misplaced hope, but we've got a misdirected peace. And because... You've got a false sense of peace. You feel like your peace is under attack. Hmm. I wrote this down. How many of you have ever felt like you've like your peace is under attack? Come on, just raise your hand. Like my peace is under attack. Okay. It's not about what's happening outside of you. You need to understand this. Ahaz felt like his peace was under attack. But Isaiah was saying, it's not what's happening outside of you. It's what's happening inside of you. And so your peace is not in whether or not Jerusalem stays whole. Your peace is in the fact that God can make you whole whatever's happening. Okay, so hold on a second. So we have this misdirected peace where we feel like our our peace is under attack because we've placed our peace in something other than God. So let me give you an example. If your peace, your image of peace comes from a full bank account. If you have less than a full bank account, you're going to feel like you're losing your peace. In other words, if your image of peace is a full bank account, the moment that you sit down and start writing out your bills, you're going to feel like you're under attack. Let me go one step further. If your image of peace is a full bank account, you will not be generous. And you know why? Because generosity lessens your bank account, and therefore you see generosity as an attack on your peace. Love all the, mm, mm, yeah, ooh, mm, woo. All y'all are like, he talking to you, you know what I'm saying? He ain't talking to you, he ain't talking to you. Huh. If, if your image of peace is relational harmony, once you get out of relational harmony, you're going to feel like your peace is under attack. If your image of peace is, 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 is your career and your career is not doing what you thought it would do, then the moment it's out of sync with what you thought it would do, then you're going to feel like you're losing your, your peace. Are, are, are you with me? So what Isaiah was saying to Ahaz is it's not about this kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about this wall. It's about the wall that he places around your heart when he gives to you a peace that surpasses all understanding because he wants to pour out grace in your life wave after wave after wave after wave. Let me ask you something. If God has brought you through something in 2018, can you give him 18 seconds of praise? Come on. Can you give him praise like you mean it? I want you to give. Why am I praising God? Because I know the story doesn't start and end with me but rather it's all about him why because he'll bring me through i'm jumping in i'm jumping in good lord have mercy i'm jumping in everybody else just jump up on your feet jump up on your feet jump up on your feet 
hold on a second. Hold on. I, I don't want to miss anything that I have for you. Oh, 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 hold on. So if your peace, you need to understand your peace is not in the government. Your peace does not come from a government official. Ahaz, the peace is not in you, brother. As awesome as you are, it's not in you. For the government rests upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If, listen, it, your peace is not in your marriage. Your peace comes in your marriage when you place God in it. Your peace doesn't come from your finances. Your peace comes when you place God first in your finances. Your peace doesn't come from your career. Your peace comes when you say, God, you're going to get the glory through my career. So Ahaz, your peace doesn't come from an alliance. Your, your peace doesn't come when the enemy leaves. Your peace comes when you know that he is your prince of peace. He is your everything. He is your Jehovah Jireh. He is a God that can make a way when there seems to be no way. He is a God that has opened up doors for you. He is the God who shall supply for all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He is a good, good father. He is the one that will make that way when you feel like you don't know how you're even going to get there. And that's why John said the gift is not the manger the gift is the cross and the cross is where Jesus poured out wave after wave after wave of grace so when you're fighting through insecurity jump into its peace when you're fighting through depression jump in through it to its peace when you're fighting through relational difficulty jump into its peace when you're fighting through financial difficulty jump into its peace why because the Bible says he will deliver you he will uphold you he will rescue you he will lift you up with his mighty hand and his out stretched arm. Is somebody going to help me preach up in this place? Somebody say jump in. Jump in. Jump in. Come on somebody. Jump in. Let me read something. Let me read you something. Let me read you something. John 1.16 says out of his fullness. Not out of your fullness, but out of his fullness. We have all received grace in place of grace already given. Somebody say jump in. Wave after wave. When one wave begins to recede, here comes another wave. When one wave begins to recede, here comes another wave. Wave after wave 